This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, the intestinal bacteria we need and the bad effects of a low-fiber diet. Think of it as a healthy neighborhood or community, and when things start to go wrong, the first residents to leave are the ones that you'd really like to keep there the most. Why you need fiber more than you may think when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like Viewpoints, our sister show covering current affairs. This week on Viewpoints. Happily, I never witnessed what seems to be a murder across the street, but it is difficult when grappling with some sort of mental health issue to communicate the severity of your circumstance to others. The Woman in the Window, an homage to Hitchcock, and film noir. Then, Super Bowl ads. What makes a great one? All that and more this week on Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, (laughs) iTunes, and Stitcher. Just about everyone knows that fiber is supposed to be a big part of our diets. Fiber cuts the chance of heart disease and cancer and helps us lose weight. Most adults should aim for more than 25 grams of fiber per day, but most of us never get more than about 15. So we should eat more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and nuts. But the surprising thing about all those foods is the human body can't digest them, at least not by ourselves. Dr. Hannah Holscher, Assistant Professor of Nutrition at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, says we need a little help. Fiber, by definition, is non-digestible carbohydrates found in plants. And when we're talking about this non-digestible part, what we mean is that our own human enzymes aren't able to break down fibers. So instead, some of these fibers are broken down by microbes in our gut. It's not completely indigestible. It is somewhat digestible and it's digested by bacteria that live in the intestinal tract. So cows, for example, have a very long digestive tract with loads and loads of bacteria so they can digest just about anything. That's Dr. Andrew Gewurz, professor of biomedical sciences at Georgia State University. He says when we eat a lot of fiber, beneficial bacteria in the gut thrive. It keeps the community of bacteria in the intestine happy and they're well nourished and it results in a stable community In addition to playing an important role in digestion, both by producing a number of substances that humans need and can't produce on their own, these bacteria also keep the immune system strong. And by having a strong community of bacteria, a strong, stable community, it also keeps out potential interlopers, in other words, opportunistic pathogens. But when we have a low-fiber diet, one that's loaded with fast food, for example, the bacteria we need are unhappy and their numbers plummet. In our mouse studies, by removing fiber from the diet, the total number of bacteria decreases by about 90%, and the specific species will change as well. So not only do you have fewer bacteria, you end up with a less desirable population. Think of it as a healthy neighborhood or community, and when things start to go wrong, the first 
residents to leave are the ones that you'd you know, really like to keep there the most. Goodworth says experiments on mice show that a low-fiber diet produces big changes to the intestine, all because beneficial bacteria aren't around in large numbers to protect it. Some of these can be readily seen just to the naked eye after a mouse is euthanized and its intestine is examined. So the tissue gets smaller, thinner, and becomes more brittle. And then microscopically, you can see that the crypts in the colon that are um, important for secreting things and absorbing nutrients, those get smaller. And then in things we can measure with molecular assays, a lot of the antibacterials that the intestine produces to protect against pathogens, these become lower in abundance. So it's an assortment of changes that we see in the intestine when those bacteria go away. When fiber is inadequate in their diets, those microbes that are present, they'll start consuming more of the mucus that's found within the lining of our intestinal cells. And so if these mice are fed a low-fiber diet for a long time, the microbes can end up overeating the protective mucus layer that lines the gut. And this makes the animals more susceptible to infections when pathogenic bacteria are introduced. And as Gewurz has said, bacteria leave the gut selectively when we eat a low-fiber diet. The ones that help us the most are the least likely to stay. Even though the total number of bacteria are dropping by 90%, the 10% that are there is still a very large population of bacteria, and these tend to be bacteria that promote inflammation in the host. So in the absence of a robust host defense, these bacteria cause inflammation in the host, and this causes a number of metabolic effects, including insulin resistance and increased adiposity also cause the mice to eat more. Scientists have concluded that a low-fiber diet leaves mice with bacteria that promote obesity, high blood sugar, and lots of harmful inflammation. But does all that apply to people, too? What we don't have a lot of research in is connecting the microbiome to those changes. And so this animal literature provides some interesting hints and underlying mechanisms that may provide some of those underlying benefits to humans. But we still need to do those studies to determine if the fiber that's broken down by the microbes is part of that puzzle. But just how far can fiber go to combat the kind of diet most people eat? If we have fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, can enough fiber negate the consequences? Gewurz tried it in mice and says fiber did a pretty good job. They combated most of the effects. Now, in order to really eliminate the effects of the high-fat diet almost entirely, we had to go to pretty high levels of fiber. So that may not be readily achievable in a human diet, but at least it showed the principle that, yes, the fiber does combat a lot of the negative effects of the high-fat diet. And in mice, a lot of the negative effects of the high-fat diet seem to, in fact, be the lack of fiber that normally exists in a high-fat diet. Very few people eat even the recommended amount of fiber, so some experts have suggested fortifying processed foods with fiber. Gewurz doesn't think it's a good idea, at least not yet. I think this latter approach might be possible to do safely in the future, but I really think that this is premature, and that when we do this latter approach in mice, we do see some negative effects, and they are 
prone to certain diseases, but at present, you know, we're not recommending to simply enrich processed foods with fiber. A lot of people manage to eat fiber by sticking with the one kind they like. For example, they eat lots of apples, but little other fiber at all. Holscher says that's better than nothing, but it'll leave only some types of your intestinal bacteria happy. I encourage people to try to eat the rainbow, so eating lots of different types and amounts of fibers. So you're going to get lots of different types of fibers from fruit, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, and legumes. So the more diverse your diet, the more diverse the fibers, and that's going to help support lots of different types of microbes. You can find out more about all our guests through our website, radiohealthjournal.net. Our production director is Sean Waldron. I'm Nancy Benson. Medical notes this week. The ozone layer is coming back. After many decades of depletion, NASA scientists say the protective ozone layer of the atmosphere is recovering, and a hole in the ozone over Antarctica is filling in. Phasing out of chlorofluorocarbon chemicals is getting the credit, according to the study in the journal Geophysical Research Letters. The ozone layer absorbs more than 97% of the dangerous ultraviolet radiation reaching Earth. Eating a diet high in fresh tomatoes and apples may help slow the natural aging of your lungs and may even restore some of the lung damage caused by smoking. The study in the European Respiratory Journal shows that lung function is strikingly better in ex-smokers who follow such a diet. However, tomato sauce and processed foods containing fruits and vegetables did not contribute a protective effect. Researchers say the lungs start to decline in most people around age 30. And finally, whether a person is a spendthrift or a tightwad may be set by age five. A study in the Journal of Behavioral Decision-Making shows that children form emotional reactions to spending and saving money between age five and 10, and they translate into the child's eventual spending behaviors. Researchers say tightwads experience emotional pain connected to spending, but spendthrifts don't have those emotional breaks. Those attitudes develop independently of their parents' spending habits. And that's Medical Notes this week. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.